So this morning's reading is taken from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 11 to 20. Put on the full armor of God, so that you can take your stance against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled round your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, Words may be given me, so that I may fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, as I should. This is the word of the Lord. I'm semi-tempted not to preach this morning and actually just to pray. To pray. I kind of feel there's already so many good things um, that we've been in a position to receive and be part of. But, but I am sorry to disappoint you, though. those of you who prefer me not to. But actually, I'm just going to say a few things this morning. I wonder whether you're someone, in, if you've been a Christian a while, uh, where you've prayed for a situation, prayed for someone or something, not just a few times, not just maybe a dozen times, but for decades, and there's nothing. Nothing shifts, nothing moves, no answers. It's quite discouraging. Wonder whether you've been in that place where actually you faithfully prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, nothing. Famously, Pete Gregg called his book, one of his books on prayer, as God on mute. I think it's something like that. He called it something like that. That sense in which, what is the point of our prayers, maybe? You know, actually, if we spent all that time, and for me, there was kind of moments where it's been a bit like that. I think probably the biggest kind of moment was when I was looking for my first job, and I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. Nothing. But what was great about that for me is this. It broke me. It helped me start to learn that prayer is not magic. It's not about me. And realizing that actually there are limitations of my own will and my own ability to affect all the circumstances. And that actually forced me to come to God again and to ask God and to start to see God in a different way. You see, up until that point... I got away with being fairly able at a whole range of things, through school, through kind of early stuff in university, 
you know, I was reasonably gifted, really able to do various things that I chose to do. No, no more, no more. Do you know, I think we should abandon today's sermon. Um, <laughs> it's um, then kind of anybody else. And actually, you're able to be able to go through life if you're quite smart without really needing God. Because you can sort of survive on your own natural abilities, natural gifts, common grace, in which actually you don't have to face up to your limitations, to the kind of things that you can't fix or do. The thing is this, is when you pray really earnestly and you don't hear anything, you need an answer now, don't you? You know, the part of the reason we pray with such earnestness is because we need it now. We're in desperation. We're in a difficult situation. We don't need an answer in two years' time. We need it now. But when God finally does open up a door, when that first job came, you have no idea how thankful I was. That God's open hand I've been able to receive with God's open hands in his timing and in his way. But in the process, God had radically changed me. Let me just pray. Heavenly Father, I ask this morning that you would help us. We need your help. And help us to help each other. Would you equip us? Would you teach us to pray? Not just like somebody else, but like the way you've made us to pray. Would you fan into flame the gift of prayer amongst us. In Jesus' name, amen. We've had the beginning and the end of the book of Ephesians um, today, and actually I'm really just going to focus on the last, nearly the last verse in our reading that Tom read us this morning. Because right at the end of this letter, this amazing letter that Paul writes to the Ephesians, right at the end he talks about seven weapons that he's given um, Christians to fulfill God's purposes on earth. We traditionally talk about the six pieces of the armor of God, but then Paul says, in verse 18, he says this, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. When this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. If you've got the Bible in front of you, you see verse 18. What you'll notice is, There are four alls in verse 18. There are four alls in verse 18. So firstly, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. So what that means is pray all the time with all kinds of prayers. So what does that mean? That means public prayer. It means private prayer. It means silent prayer. It means loud prayer. It means bold prayers. It means gentle prayers. It means praying in all sorts and all different ways. It means formal prayers, informal prayers, all sorts of ways to pray. Thirdly, be alert and always keep on praying. In other words, persevere. Persevere. Don't give up. Don't quit on prayer. Don't give up praying. Persevere. Keep going. And the last one, and keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray for everyone most especially our Christian brothers and sisters, increasingly, increasingly Christian brothers and sisters around the world too. Pray all the time with all kinds of prayers, always for all the Lord's people. 
Okay, how are we feeling? It's a new year. Feeling a bit intimidated. That's quite a charge. That's quite a charge. There's one great Bible teacher, uh, when I was reading about this, put it this way. He said, these four alls are precisely what us Christians don't do in our prayers. Do we recognize that? That we replace the all with some. Most of us pray sometimes, some different types of prayer, with a degree of perseverance when the wind is in the right direction, and are one or two of our favorite people. That's kind of a little snapshot, I think, probably where most of us are. If you feel I've done you a disservice this morning, you can stone me at the end, but, but I kind of feel that's, that's roughly where we are. And of course, to pray in the Spirit, which is Paul's charge here, includes, of course, all sorts of things, including the kind of gift of tongues, but it's much bigger than that when Paul calls them to pray in the Spirit on all occasions. It means to pray in harmony with the Spirit. It means to be one with the work and purpose of the Holy Spirit, with the nudge of the Spirit that prompts you to pray at the right time for the right things, right, but to learn to listen and to respond in that way with the leading of the Spirit that looks like the person and work of the Holy Spirit and the, probably the more difficult one in submission to the work of, of God's Spirit in our lives, that we're living a life in step with the Spirit. So that's kind of Paul's charge here right at the end of this letter. So actually, I just want to talk a little bit about prayer in the context of what that means this morning. So first you might want to say, well, what is the purpose of prayer? We've talked on some of the things that we said as part of sharing this morning. The purpose of prayer is not primarily to get stuff. You know, to get a new car or a new job or to get a parking spot in a busy bar Saturday morning. Or some resources for missionaries or to see someone healed. And of course, prayer includes that, God coming and meeting our wants and our needs. But bear this in mind is that pretty much until relatively recently, pretty much every single culture from the beginning of time has prayed to the gods or a sense of high power for the looking after of their animals, for the victory over their enemies, for their crops to flourish, to meet the man or woman of their dreams, and to have children. You know, pretty much every culture has understood prayer in that way, some sense of reaching out to... So what is it about Christian prayer? What is it about this idea that prayer throughout Scripture that we find that's distinct and different from simply trying to get God to do what we want. There are lots of things I could say, but in John 14, verse 26, it's a little bit, stick with me, it says this, Jesus says this, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. And of course, the reason the gift of the Holy Spirit is that Jesus is talking about is that so we can gain Christ, so we can center our lives on Christ, we order our whole lives in and through Christ. 
Paul puts it in his other letter in Philippians 3, in chapter, verse 8, sorry, chapter 3, verse 8. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. That I may gain Christ. That I may gain Christ. So what does it look like? What does it mean? What does it mean to talk about gaining Christ? There are a few things just, I think, maybe are helpful pictures. One of which is this, is when we pray, when Christians pray, we're opening the door to Christ. When we pray, we're opening the door to Christ. You know, in lots of evangelistic meetings, we quote Revelation 3.20. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. And in a simple way, prayer is nothing more than opening the door of our lives to God, to Christ, and giving him access in his love and his power, and and asking him to exercise that love and power in our lives. And to pray is to open the door of our lives to Jesus. And obviously we use that often in a Um, in a kind of evangelistic setting when we're sort of saying, you know, give your life to Christ. But the way we begin is also the way we continue. You know, in that opening our lives to Christ, we also then say, oh, continue to open your life, the door of your life to Christ, through Christ, in Christ. We open our hearts to Christ and invite him in. The way in is the way on, as someone put it. So how does this work? Let me give you an example, maybe, to make, try and make this a little bit more practical. So whatever your circumstances here this morning, you know, whatever your circumstances of your individual lives, you invite Jesus into that. Jesus is not absent from that. He doesn't want to be absent from that. You invite Jesus into that. So, for example, when you are discouraged, when things haven't happened... What we learn is we get into conversation to be emotionally honest with Jesus and say, you know, I'm disappointed. I recognize disappointment. Things haven't worked out. I thought things would turn out well. I can imagine things working out perfectly, but they haven't worked out that. I've got a very different life today than I hoped it'd be like. And instead of just stealing yourself like pretending it's all okay and Jesus is all right, and going through the motions, as you allow the kind of reality of your life to shape the way you engage with God and invite him in. That's what it means, Jesus, I tried so hard. I really did try so hard. I thought it was going to work differently, but it hasn't. Would you help me? Would you fill me with hope again? Would you restore hope? Because I know I'm not full of hope as I begin a new year. I'm feeling downcast. I'm feeling frustrated. I don't want to be live in this place of disappointment continually. And of course, the other thing to say when we pray is that obviously we grow our relationship with Christ. Every relationship, I don't need to tell you this morning, flourishes through communication. So many of the challenges in our culture, just generally, are about how and how we're able to communicate with people, the breakdown in relationships, in families, in marriages, in work. 
And it's just a huge number of that, if you speak to the sociologists, will be about communication. So in a really simple sense, if you want to grow in your prayer life this morning, you need to start to communicate with God. Just trust him with your heart, trust him with your head. Just get into conversation with God, find a way of doing that. You know, there are all sorts of ways of doing that. But also, thirdly, when we pray, as Christians, when we pray, we're embracing the person of Christ and putting him right at the center of who we are and everything we do. What that means is, is that we're, when we pray, we're asking his character, the character of Christ and the spirit who dwells within us, to be shaped in us. So, for example, what I mean by that is that the fruits of the spirit start to grow. Because the person of Christ and the work of the Spirit is evident in our lives as we pray, as we allow God to get a work in our life. There's a kind of an outworking in our lives, in our character. And of course, I, you know, more than any of you also know, as we do that, as we embrace Christ, we also embrace his words in his word here. You know, embrace his wisdom, his teaching, his understanding, and say, well, yeah, Lord, I want to know what you say. As Claire took us through Psalm 23, it's just simply, that's God's word, and allowing that and to meditate over and over again on what God says, and allowing that to shape our lives, because my wisdom isn't enough. You've got to reach that point in your life where you say, you know, I can just steal myself and essentially do life on my own with a little bit of Jesus somewhere. That's not the picture the Bible presents of the Christian life. We read this week as part of our prayers, one of my favorite psalms, Psalm 127, which goes like this, beginning, unless the Lord builds a house, the people labor in vain. You know, I'm still learning, and I've learned hard in the past, that we can do a lot of things without God anywhere near it, but ultimately it will come to naught in, in the kingdom terms. And actually we need to be prepared in humility say, I need your word. I want your word in my life. I want to build for you, Lord. Will we choose to listen to his voice, to his words this coming year as we pray? And then th- we also embrace, I love this verse, probably these verses are kind of one of the verses when I was a student, kind of just as part of that. You know, we, we do live in a culture that's very anxious and very fearful in a way that other cultures weren't quite the same. And so actually you're learning that place of finding the verse for which for me is of Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about everything, but at everything with by a prayer and petition present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all human understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now I live in the real world. I understand there are many things to be anxious and fearful about. I'm not in denial. Hear me about that. But at some point... You've got to read those words and think, well, either that is a complete anathema, anathema to me, or actually I want that God. I want to be able to experience your peace in the midst of trouble, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of all the kind of challenges of life, because they will at some point come my way. And so I end up having to wrestle and to pray those verses for yourself and to claim them and take them over a period of time, even when your circumstances don't look like that. You know, I can spend, and I have done many times, so I know it's still a battle in my life. But those are verses I go back to again and again. I can toss in my bed at night, 
laying awake, thinking through situations, I'd love to be very, very different. Or I can learn to take all that is real and could destroy and to bring it to the feet of Jesus. You know, that's what we've got to learn to do. That's a lifetime's thing. That's not a today thing that I fix. That's a lifetime's discipleship of learning how to do that, find ways of doing that, and to then experience some of that. You know, I can fret about my kids, my finances, what we're going to do in the long term, da-da-da-da-da-da, all sorts of things. There are plenty of things to fret about. But Jesus' invitation is in, in, through and in, through prayer is to take things and to leave them at his feet. And that's difficult. I know it's difficult because it's difficult for me, but it also I know is difficult for you. But that's the invitation. Are you trying to carry it yourself? Or do we leave it with God? And then we also, as part of praying, we embrace God's kingdom. I don't know if someone answered him. I think David maybe answered in prayer is that, you know, the kingdom of God is so much greater than the vision we have for God's kingdom, for a vision of ourselves and the way we would like the world to see. And so when we pray the great prayer that Jesus taught us, the Lord's Prayer, what do we pray? We pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Of course, one of the ways of thinking about this is prayer is simply a bridge in which God's kingdom, enable God's kingdom to come. We don't earn it by our prayers, but we get to play a part in that. That's the amazing thing. To see God's kingdom come in people's lives in a real way is one of the most beautiful privileges, heaven touching earth. So what does it mean, um, as Paul writes, to pray all the time? Since we touched on it when we went around the room, of course, it doesn't just mean that you tip up at one particular time in one particular situation, and then I've done my five minutes prayer and we walk away. So you don't need a place. Sometimes a place helps. But I can pray in the car, in the bus, on the bus even, when I walk, when I'm in the gym. You know, when I used to work in the NHS for many years, I had my little, at about 15, 20 minute, depending on how quickly I drove, uh, car, ride, car journey. And actually I used all that time in the car mostly to pray on my way in and on my way back. On the way in, it was a lot more peaceful than on the way back, generally, trying to deal with some of the things that happened during the day. It wasn't perfect, but just there are places to pray all the time. Yeah, and actually just to learn, just stop five minutes, two minutes, one minute, anything. Just take some time with God, wherever you are, when you, you know, and find a way of doing it that works for you. And of course, we suddenly think, you know, prayer is somehow so mysterious, and there's certainly a particular type of gifted people who can do it. And then there's me and you. We sort of try our best. And, you know, if I feel it, I can sort of really pray. But we're simply called to pray. What's interesting is when you read some of the stories from uh, Christians in yesteryear, um, it's quite surprising that not all of them have this kind of story. We maybe look at them with, through rose-tinted spectacles, thinking they're such an extraordinary man or woman of God. They must have just been amazing. It's amazing. But pick one person, Hudson Taylor, one of the greatest, the church would generally say, one of the greatest missionaries in his time. And he said this. He said, a source of amazing answers to prayer in China. And this is literally what he said. He said, 
he said that his heart usually felt like wood when he prayed. And most of his victories or the answers to prayer came through just a simple obedience and almost like an emotionless obedience because he simply prayed. It wasn't a kind of a conversation, it's just what he did. And so lastly, just a few thoughts on what's the all in the always here in verse 18. Just actually, the all is this, is that in Christ, in and through Christ and the gift of the Spirit, we have access to God 24-7. We've access. Instant access. We don't need to work our way up to get to God. We don't have to have a holy moment or pre-prescribed moment or whatever else it is. We have access to God 24-7. In the Alpha video that tells a story, I think it's of Lincoln, of a, the example being of a son and their father. You know, and actually, what would it be like if actually our own children didn't think they could approach us What kind of idea of God have we got? We have access. Day and night, come to him. And of course, as we touched on as well, there are so many needs in our world. There are so many needs in this church. There's so many needs around the world that we need to pray for. And if we care and we love people, we long to see the sick healed. We want to see those who are suffering comforted. We want to see those who are grieving find strength. We want to see the struggling find hope. We want to find, see the lost found. One of those things, something of the needs of our world will break your heart that kind of pushes you to begin to kind of stand in the gap. Because there are so many needs wherever you are. Not just your own, but every those around you. Bring them to God. Off them. Of course, in this passage in Ephesians 6, which is one of the kind of great passages amongst others of prayer, you'll see that Paul is really explicit that there is a battle at hand. That Satan is at work. There is a time, there's not a time when Satan says, you know, I'm done with trying to oppose what happens. It's all, all sorted. Things are contested. You know, Satan says, I'm not going to give up trying to enable people to destroy themselves or to actually to end up making tempting people in ways that is unhelpful. Do you know that battle is real and it's imaginary and it continues to go on? And we have a gospel, the good news of Jesus that we want to see extend and move and grow and move out. And prayer is one of the ways that we are, as Paul says, simply to stand. To stand. And pray. We don't now try and need to be a hero doing it our own, but just stand in the strength that He's given us, in the person He's given us, in Christ and the Spirit, and to stand in all He's done for you and to resist all that's coming against you. It's difficult. And then, lastly, as well, I suppose, if I was trying to encourage you to say, why should we always pray? Is that actually we need your prayers? Every, every single person, this doesn't. This is not for one or two specifics. As a church, you need your prayers. Myself and all the leaders in this church need your prayers. You need our prayers. There are so many ways in which we want to be able to see, to serve God and to see it go. 
you know, whether things are going well, whether we're in a really good season, whether things are flourishing, or whether things are actually really tough. We always need your prayers. You know, we want to see the church, us making disciples. We want to see our ability to reach out to the poor, to see the sick healed, to tend to the widows and the orphans. And Paul ends here to speak with power and boldness. You know, that we would stand that Christians across this church would be able to stand in a godly way in the circumstance you are. Your family may be really difficult. Your workplace may be really difficult. Your neighborhood may be really difficult. And actually standing is hard. But we can encourage each other by standing together with, with God, praying for each other and allowing us to fulfill what we're called, we're called to do. So this morning, kind of, is really as we sort of start 2024, I really just want to encourage you to keep praying, to don't give up, to persevere. Every prayer makes a difference. It's not wasted. This is kind of at the heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Keep praying. I think I've said a number of times, and I don't say this as kind of, if it comes over in the wrong way, I apologize because there's an inheritance about it. I, I, I was blessed massively by having two praying parents. They prayed in very different ways. But there's an inheritance about that. That actually if you've received from other people, then actually we want to be able to pass that blessing on with people who flow through. We don't hold on to our stuff. But God has given us stuff to enable us then to keep encouraging others to pray, to seek God, to be a gift to others. Always pray. Never give up. Let's pray. Okay, what I'm, what I'm going to do, actually, is we're just going to have some quiet. I realize there's some contemplatives in the room who like a bit of stillness, and so we're not going to fill it with any noise to begin with. And I'm just going to encourage you just to take a bit of quiet and to just start to talk to God um, about where you're up to, how to start to have a conversation. You may be doing it in your mind. You may, this may be tricky for you, but just quiet, sit quietly with God and just start to pray about some things and get into conversation. I'm going to leave two or three minutes of silence. Uh, and then what we might do is we might just take a moment to pray together and then we'll worship out of that. So we pray one prayer, then we'll leave some quiet. Father, I want to thank you so much the inheritance of faith that you have given each one of us, that we may feel is tiny, maybe massive. Thank you for the gift of prayer. Father, thank you that you know us, everything about us, our struggles, our joys, our sorrows, our anger, our disappointment, our longings, our desires. Holy Spirit, would you come would you come and give us the confidence to open our hearts open to you, open the door of our hearts to you.